Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org where you'll find several speaker feeds with over 400 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Vivian. Hi, I'm Vivian. I'm a compulsive reader. Hi. I want to thank Mickey for introducing me and Veronica uh, M. in absentia for asking me to speak. And congratulations, Benji. It is a big deal. Nine months. Um, this is a very cunning, baffling, and powerful disease. So congratulations to you. And everybody that's new, I'm glad you're here. Um, you may look at me now and think, what are you doing here? <laughs> you look so normal. Um, I can tell you, I've been absent 33 years from sugar. I'm a terrible sugar addict. I, um, and in fact, I define it by sugar as the fourth ingredient or more. Um, and I ask everybody and look at labels. And I could not stop eating from a very early age. Um, one of my earliest um, memories is that, and we were living in New York City, so I know it's before I was seven years old, because we moved when I was seven, sitting in front of the television. On the left was like a a bottle of pickles, like dill pickles, and on the right was a bag of Lay's potato chips. And me, like, one paw in the left hand and one paw in the right hand, just like, pickle, potato chip, pickle, potato chip, watching TV and just zoning out. Um, I, I would look at the dessert menu first, wherever I went. I, I was always obsessed with, I, when I look at pictures of me now in, like, grade school, I wasn't fat, but I, I was sure I was when I was when I was um, in grade school, and I went on a diet at an early age. Okay, I, I got, I, when I was 14, I got pneumonia. Fantastic disease. Two weeks, two weeks, and I lost 10 pounds. All I did for me was I was in bed. You know, I, I, to me, I was in bed, and I would cough and sort of cough phlegm and wake up every once in a while, and, you know, two weeks later, I crawled out of bed, and it was like, I lost 10 pounds. You know, if, if I had the bacillus in a contagious um, disease center, like, I would have reinfected myself every time um, I needed to lose weight. I am not kidding. So I am one of you. <laughs> and I used to also think I looked terrible. No matter how thin I was, I never thought I looked good. Like, I remember I would walk through alleyways thinking that I looked so terrible because I, uh, that I didn't want anyone to see me. Um, I would, when I first got a, um, a job, I would put piles of paper, like, on my, on my, um, like, I'd let the work pile up on my desk until I'd finally get up and then walk across the room, because I didn't want anyone to see me for as little time as possible, because I felt so disgusting. And I was maybe 20 pounds heavier than I am now. And I do remember my top weight, as every compulsive overeater does. It was 142. Um, I... And now today, I'm about 20 pounds lighter than that, and I don't have the, even though some people will come up and say, oh, it's not about the food for me anymore. Well, you know, I can, I can never actually say that. Like, I, I can say for sure that I do not have the, um, it doesn't take over my mind and my self-esteem the way it used to. But, but um I still, I still eat like a compulsive overeater. I, I like, sometimes I have, I, 
I put on some weight. It's within a 10-pound range, but it doesn't really bother me either. Now, what I do now is I don't go on diets anymore. I work the steps harder, or I go to more meetings. If I see, if I haven't tried something on in a year, like this is what usually what happens. I'm going through something emotional, like I was... Uh, my relationship wasn't going well. I didn't. I put on a lot of stretchy clothes for a year, and then, uh, like, I live in a place where they all have stretchy clothes. Everybody wears like you know they're going to yoga all the time, so you can feel like you're thin because it's sort of hugging you, but it still fits. And and at the end of the year, I was like, I had to go visit my parents at, um, at back east, and I tried on some pants. I was like, oh, lo and behold, I gained ten pounds without knowing it. Um, I'm much more patient about stuff like that now. Like, when that happens, I was like, okay, you know, I have to, um, I picked up an extra meeting. I'll pick up an extra meeting or I'll call my food in to people or um, pick up more sponsees or decide, okay, when I get home, I'm not going to eat when I get home. And just things where I take, I do the footwork. Um, and, and, and I don't really stress out about it. Like, yes, you know, I want to be at my... Right now, I'm pretty, oh, I'm seeing all these people I know. It's, it's, it's great. Um, I want to, I, I have a preference for weight, but I'm not, um, it's no longer the impossible problem that it was when I got here. And it doesn't, um, I, did, I used to stare at people that had normal bodies and say, how did you do it? Like, like I didn't say to them, but I thought, how did you do it? Like, how do you do that? That doesn't happen for me anymore. So, I mean, I got here very young. I, um, as you can see, food was a big part of my life. But I also, I, I was able to go to college. Um, I came out here sort of on a, on a geographic. I don't know about you, but I was always trying to relive my life. I always thought that I, I wanted a second chance. It's like I didn't do that as well as I thought I, I wanted to. Um, I was lucky enough to fall into Overeaters Anonymous. Um, I'm lucky that I took, if you are new and you're wondering if you belong here, I pray, like here's a suggestion, I mean, I pray for the willingness to take step one, which is that we are powerless over food and our life is unmanageable. I, I, to me, people, so many people don't want to say that. And, you know, so what? It's just a bunch of words. Like, so what? What does that mean? My life is unmanageable. It's like, I didn't even know what that meant. A lot of people hate saying that their life is unmanageable. But to me, I was like, you know, I didn't define that. Like, is that all you want me to say? What else do I have to do to lose weight and, you know, have a, have a good life? But I did know that I, I, was, I couldn't diet anymore. You know, I had lost the ability to diet at all, and I didn't know if it would ever come back. Um, I, I have spoken here several times. I was thinking that this time when I speak, I wanted to say something different because I know you all have podcasts, and, and I want to say something different on the podcast. So I'm going to talk about, um, I hope that I've convinced you that I'm a compulsive reader. That was really, that was like what it was like. Now I'm going to take off this coat a little bit. I always get hotter when I speak. Anyway, and now I have, like, hot flashes, so it's just never now. I'll be stripping and unstripping. Thank you, Mickey. Um, uh, one of the, and there, is, there are a couple of people in this room that know this story, but the promises, like, besides the fact that I, I now have a much better life, I have better relationships with my, par- relationship with my parents, especially my mom, um, I, I have a much better work situation. I will say this from Mickey. The best, best work advice I ever got was from my sponsor. And if you're having any problems in the work area, 
This is still the best advice I've ever gotten, and I got it when I was very new. And she, and she said to me, Vivian, show up on time and smile. <laughs> That's it. That's it. That has worked for me since the very day she told me to do that. And I just got better and better jobs. And, and actually today, I, I, I'm financially stable, and I don't have to work as hard as I used to. Uh, it just got better and better because I really gave that to God. Um, I find that the things that I hold on to the most are the things that, that I don't want to give to God, which for me was actually one thing. It was just romantic relationships. I re- that went the worst because I would not give that to God. <laughs> I felt like, God, this is way too important, and you may decide that I, don't, I shouldn't have it, so <laughs> <laughs> therefore I will not give it to you. I'm going to keep on trying to control and enjoy my train wreck relationships and <laughs> try to not break a leg next time. Um, and but another, sorry, I can go into that later, and I will, but, but I also wanted to share, they talk about in the big book, the promises. When you do your amends, you get some of the promises. And when I have a really good um, amends story that I think I should share because one of the promises is freedom from financial insecurity. Um, I was on the phone one day to one of my to my sponsor and and she said and I was probably talking about money worries and she she said to me, "Have you done your amends and um, your financial amends?" And I thought, "Oh my God, there is one that I haven't done." Okay, so. There's usually one or two that none of us want to do. Mine was I had stolen my roommate's mother's engagement ring. Isn't that awful? There should be like a hush from the, from the crowd. Because, and I did it. Even when I, I was newly abstinent, still did it. But like I was, she had lost the ring. I, I really don't know why she had her mother's engagement ring. It's sort of a question. Who knows? But uh, maybe she stole it before I did. I don't know. But... Um, <laughs> I don't think so. Anyway, she had lost it, and we were in the apartment. I was in the apartment. I was vacuuming, and I heard, like, and I was like, oh, the ring, Kathy, Kathy. It was in the vacuum cleaner, and she wasn't there, nothing. And suddenly, two little horns grew on the top of my head, and I just thought, you know, self-pity took over. I don't have as much money as I thought I would. Like, I have so many credit card debts, and I also thought... Who would ever think I'd done this? You know, I never do anything like this. And I thought, I thought, you know, some criminals must do the same thing. Think I'll never get caught. I never do this. Anyway, so that basically went through my head. So I took this ring, but I felt terrible about it because I had never done this. I just felt awful. So I kept it like wadded up in a, a tissue in the bottom of my purse. The tissue got very dirty and all torn up. And I was um, waiting to take it into a jewelry store to sell it. So I finally, I didn't have a car then. This is how early in my absence it was. I was living in Los Angeles, and I didn't have a car yet. So this is really, like, really, really early. So probably, like, you know, 30, I'm absent 33 years, 32 years ago. Anyway, I got off at the bus. I used to have to take a couple of buses for work, and I got off at the Fox Hills Mall in Culver City. And I walked in there, and there was a jewelry store. So I went in. And I took the dirty tissue out of my purse, and I opened it up, and I showed him the ring, and, uh, the jewel of the ring, and I said, I, I'd like this appraised. And he goes, what are you doing with that purse that in the bottom of your purse, all hidden in a dirty tissue? <laughs> and I, I was shocked. And I, like, I probably turned all red. I was like, duh, duh, you know, I don't even know what I said. 
And he, and he looked at me really suspiciously, and he goes, well, I'll take it in the back and look. So he took it in the back, and he comes back, and he says, this is a false ring. This is not a real diamond. And I went, oh, my God, I took a ring. Like, I went to all this trouble, and it's not even a diamond. So... Um, and he said something else, like, that he was suspicious of me, and I, you know, took the ring back, and I was like, oh, my God, what do I do now? And I was mad at him for, you know, revealing this truth. And, and then I put the, I put it probably a new tissue around it, and I was a cleaner tissue, put it in the bottom. But I could never wear it, because I thought if anyone sees me, Kathy could see me. And by this time, too, it was way too late to throw it back on the carpet. You know, I felt like I was caught because she had vacuumed that apartment, like, so thoroughly, so many times. There, I couldn't just throw it anywhere. So I took it to another jewelry store in Westwood. And <laughs> I got off the bus, and there was, a, like, oh, there's a jewelry store. So I went across the street to this jewelry store, took it my, I, I probably put it on my finger before I went in there. I didn't want to tip them off with my tissue anymore. And I, I said, I'd like this appraised. And so... They took it in the back, and then they come back to me, and they go, this is um, not a real diamond, but moreover, this diamond has been taken out of its prong. This diamond has been replaced. This is not the original diamond that was there. We can see this in the, you know, the jeweler's loop. And I went, the Culver City man. (laughs) He he robbed me. What nerve. But he probably thought, I'm robbing a thief. Who cares? And I thought, oh, my God, what am I going to do? So I went back to Culver City, you know, and I said, like, you you stole my diamond. And he said, do you have a receipt of my uh, – and I was like, you didn't give me a receipt. He goes, get out of here. And I left. I thought, what am I going to do? I'm here with a fake diamond. It got taken out of here by – stolen by another thief. And I – you know, what do I do here? So I, I was standing at the bus station, and I thought, I, I just saw this big blue trash can, and I thought, I'm just going to, it looked like a big blue mouse, and I just threw it in there. I just threw it in there, my tissue, my dirty tissue with the diamond ring, and I thought I'd never hear about that again. And this was the amends I hadn't made. Okay, so, and my my roommate knew all these people that I was um, connected to. She wasn't a random person. She was, like, best friends with my best friend, and all her parents knew each other, and I thought I didn't want to be known as Vivian the Thief. I used to be, like, more like Vivian the Good Girl. That was okay. But Vivian the Thief, I really never had a desire to be a bad girl. So I didn't think it would be good. So, um... Anyway, she, my sponsor said, you have to make that amends, and, and you have to, um, I'm going to get my husband, like, what it, to tell me how much it was worth, and I said, all I can remember is it was normal size, it was a normal ring, I couldn't remember anything except it looked ordinary, normal, and she came back to, Jim says it's worth, um, uh, I can't remember if it was $2,000 or $3,000, but at the time, I was making, like, $14,000 a year, so it was a tremendous amount of money. Um, let's just say 2000 for the record. So, and so she goes, you need to get her a new ring or pay her back for that ring and you need to tell her about it. So I was sweating like a pig. <laughs> I was lying on my white Laura Ashley bed <laughs> <laughs> next to a white princess phone on the, on the wall. <laughs> and I can still feel like the terror in my heart. And I called up Kathy and uh, my former roommate, and I told her what had happened. 
And she said, oh, and she was the type that, like, she, if she didn't like you, she let you know. I was scared to call her. And she, and she went, first of all, she goes, I never thought it was you. And I thought, yeah, I know. <laughs> she goes, I took that carpet apart looking for it. And she came from a very wealthy family, and she said, you know what, um, I, bet since, I would have been so mad at you, but since then, I found Jesus. <laughs> and, and I am a Christian now. I'm not going to tell anybody about what happened. She goes, and moreover, my parents have lost all their money. They don't have. They were from Costa Rica. She goes. They lost their house. They have lost everything. I'm just going to give my this money to my parents and not tell them where it came from. And in that moment, I knew that God had blessed this entire transaction, and this is exactly when I was supposed to make the amends. And I, I met her at like you know um, a Denny's like three times, and I don't even know how I had the money. I just sort of, when I got a paycheck, I wrote. You know, probably 750, 750, you know, whatever adds up to however much money I needed to have. And I paid her back, and she never did tell anybody. And ever since then, it's really true. I Now I actually have a pretty fair amount of money, but even when I didn't have any money, it didn't matter. I, always, I never worried about making any payments to anything. And I know I wasn't like that before because my sponsor told me I wasn't. She made me make this amends, she, so I knew I didn't used to talk like that. And so if, you're, if anyone out there is having trouble with an amends, I say the tougher the amends, the greater the promise. The greater the promise. Because I've talked to many people who actually have a lot of money and still think, oh, they're so poor. And it's really not about how much you have. It's really about trusting in God and that everything's going to be okay. And you don't even have, I didn't even have to put it in those words. I just felt like it was going to be okay. You know, I didn't worry about it. So that, I know, is not on any of these tapes um, on the podcast. So <laughs> I feel very good about that. I also want to, I want to talk to you. Uh, recently, I felt, um, I felt really upset about um, this election happened. And it was a really bad deal, and it was just not good. So luckily, um, I know to go to the big book. And when things are bad for me. And so I was looking for passages, and I found that my, this, my three favorite passages became, like, how, um, sorry, well, the actor. Let's start with the actor. From when it, it says on page 60, being convinced we are at step three. And then you read on, and then there's each person who is, oh, and by the way, I'm just going to read a passage. I'm going to let you know, this works the best when you're angry or resentful at something. Okay, so the thing that I have been, I struggled with yesterday, it was like my um, fiancé, okay, so, oh, here's another thing, I was, I was a widow, and it was absolutely indescribable, and I didn't lose my abstinence over it, now, it's been over 10 years, and now I'm getting married again, of course, we were engaged twice, because, you know, <laughs> that's how we do things, um, but in between, we really grew as people, and so, anyway, but the, he is not employed right now. He's not employed. And he's been looking for a job for like a year now. And the other, like yesterday, he was showing me that, oh, I'm going to go see the place where I worked before. Uh, but, oh, the guy didn't call me back. And I looked, and it was like all messages from him to the other guy. I'm like, gee, I don't think he wants to see you. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, no, he's never going to get a job. Like, I had no idea it was this bad. And... And so I thought, I'm going to go back to my, my passages that I like, which are the actor, um, 
on acceptance from page 417 to the end of the chapter um, and on awakening. So, so here I was reading um, the actor thinking of like, like, okay, what's going to make me feel good about um, if my fiance may not get another job? And I actually do know today that it would still be okay to be married to him. He's actually a great partner. He took care of me. I had foot surgery um, uh, last January, and I was, I thought I'd be out of bed in like two weeks, and I was laid up for months. It was just unbelievable, and he would drive 80 miles every weekend to take care of me, carry me to the bathtub, cook for me, like, and he did it with a, with a joyful heart, with no, you know, no, nothing like, oh, what a burden, like, just the opposite. I know Martha's looking like, oh, and, like, <laughs> and I know it, like, it made me fall in love with him again, because before that, we had been sort of seeing each other, but I wasn't feeling it, and then this is how I know God wants um, this to happen, because who knew that me having foot surgery, which I had just planned for, you know, because my mom said, you have this hereditary thing, you should take care of it, was going to end up with us having a, a renewed romance. Like, who knew? And at the time, he did have a job, and he was actually in town to take care of me. So... At any rate, I know I would still marry him even now, like I didn't know that before, even if he didn't have a job. However, thinking of that, um, so I'm worried about him not having a job. And here I read in the actor, each person is like an actor who wants to run the whole show, wants him to get a job. Um, it's, it's forever trying to arrange the lights, the ballet, the scenery, and the rest of the players, John, in, in, in her own way. If, if her arrangements would only stay put if only John and other employers would do as I wished, the show would be great. What usually happens? The show doesn't come off very well. <laughs> and I, I, part of my disease is like, I have a lot. I mean, I know I have a lot in my life. I have, my parents are healthy. I'm healthy. I am uh, abstinent. I am sober. I'm pretty sure we're allowed to say that on this tape. Thank you, Martha. Um, I, I, um, I have friends, I, 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 I have pretty much everything, but still I'm focusing on, and oh, and by the way, he doesn't even need to have a job. It is really true that we could still live on what I have and it would be okay. So, you know, but I still look at some, sometimes some things will bother me. So I go to the big book and selfishness, self-centeredness, that is, we think the root of our trouble. Cause am I thinking of him and um, no, really. And then it says, we had to quit playing God. It didn't work. So here I'm trying to play God. God has given me someone who right now is not working. Who knows if he'll ever, he'll ever work again? You know, he might not. That might not be the role for him. But he does. He cooks. <laughs> like, and he's fantastic, by the way. Um, he's very handsome. We get along just about everything. We have a lot of things in common, even like how clean we want the house, uh, <laughs> which is very difficult to have in common with someone, I think. And <laughs> it's just the right way. And so here's another one that I look at for um, an acceptance as the answer. So here, um, again, this is about John getting a job and me getting in a different frame of mind because Part of my disease is um, wanting to eat food so that I feel better inside, okay? But I don't feel as good as I really want to feel. Really, I have a God-sized um, spiritual hole inside. So if I have a problem, here we are. Um, this is page 417 from Acceptance was the Answer, which used to be called Al Dr. Alcoholic Addict. I, I don't know why I feel like 
giving you that history. But anyway, when I am disturbed, it is because when I am disturbed that John doesn't have a job. It is because I find some person, place, thing, or situation, some fact of my life unacceptable to me. And I can find no serenity until I accept the person, place, thing, or situation as being exactly the way it's supposed to be at this moment. Okay, this gives me the idea that God, John is not John is supposed to be unemployed. What an idea. That's totally out of the box. John is supposed to be unemployed at this moment. And it says, it's as if I have a, ra- a magic magnifying mind that focuses whatever it's focused on. Here I'm focusing on him not having a job. Instead, I should be focusing on, and I can, when I switch my mind around by um, reading in the big book in spiritual liter- literature, he's a great cook. He's, um, he takes my dog out for... Um, all sorts of, like, my dog loves John. They're always going on man walks and watching man TV. <laughs> I make this up, but, you know, he does have a great time with them. Um, I, he, like I said, the man took care of me for months when I was, I, I couldn't walk. I really couldn't walk. Um, he, he just, he couldn't be more supportive. So if I magnify that, then the job thing sort of goes away. It says, it's as if AA or OA has, or both have given me a new pair of glasses. I can again focus on my, and John's good qualities and watch him grow and grow and grow. So this and then on awakening um, is our other, like my current um, favorite, favorite things in a big book to focus on when, when, and like I say, it's always better with specifics like this. (laughs) Like, it it sounds very beautiful in the abstract, but once I have something that I want to change that is bothering me, then it really turns my mind around. So, there for that, and I didn't really, I don't think I wrote it down, wrote it on awakening, but anyway, it's in here on awakening, and it it talks about, God, please, um, Direct my thinking, especially divorcing it from self-pity, dishonest, and self-seeking motives. Um, and it talks about pausing and asking um, for the right thought or action when I'm agitated or doubtful. So I was doing that last night, too, because before I spoke to you, I was trying to think, how can I make John's job thing into something that's spiritual? And so <laughs> I'm serious. You know, sometimes when you get asked to speak, it's actually, it makes me into a better person. <laughs> I would not have done this homework if I was not, um, you know, speaking this today. Or I might have done it later. You know, who knows? But I, I knew I needed to do it today. So I think I love opening things up for questions because I love question and answer. So you have 10 minutes about to ask me anything you want. And, um, anything at all. And, uh, oh, goody, hands are going up. So thank you for letting me share with you. Yes. Something, 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 getting out of a relationship without a broken foot next time? <laughs> is that, is that, you said you would get to it later. Is that the oh, 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 oh. Um, I think it was more that, I mean, relationships for me, for me, were an absolute train wreck when I got in here. Okay. I didn't want to give relationships to God because, again, I was really, it was the thing that mattered most to me. I found I was really, I was so ambitious in school. I was surprised how easily I gave God jobs. Here, take it. You know, you want me, and how do I know that? I did what my sponsor said. I, she said, show up on time and smile. I was chronically late. 
and um, often whined. <laughs> and I did exactly what she said, and I did it instantly. But And everything got better because I gave that to God through, like, my sponsor's direction. I just did that. But with relationships, I did not. And, oh, and I have ten minutes. Thank you, Martha. Um, I and I had train wreck relationships. They were they weren't even relationships. I didn't even know what happened. I knew the beginning. We met. <laughs> I didn't know where the middle was. I didn't know why it ended. I would I would mark days in a calendar, like made it through another day. <laughs> and then um, one day, somebody said to me, or. I can't, I can't remember how it came up, but either someone said to me or I thought in my head, you know, God can't do any worse of a job than I have. <laughs> it would be really hard. <laughs> Why don't I give him a year? See how he does. And I did that. And how I did that was I let go. I stopped trying to make it happen. I never... I. I I didn't realize how many um, times I was keeping things alive where I was calling, um, like that they they would have died of neglect had I not called. So I didn't call um, men anymore. I didn't call them anymore. And in fact, if you called me, uh, I didn't even call you. I waited for you to call me back. In fact, my late husband, um, we almost didn't get together, but... God apparently had the idea that we should get together because he called me. We had gone out on a date or something, and then he called me and he left a message. He said, well, if you don't call me, I'll call you. I thought, oh, he'll call me. Great. You know, let's see how it goes. It was more like an experiment, like, let's see how it goes. Giving God a year. I'm just giving it up. As I'm sort of doing nothing. I was doing nothing. That's like surrender. Nothing. Do nothing. And... I ended up seeing um, Martin, my late husband, somewhere else. And he said to me, how come you never, I left your phone message. How come you never called me back? And I said, well, because you said you would call me back. Um, if I didn't, he goes, oh, I forgot. Want to go out on another date? And that is God, <laughs> because I was all ready to let it go. And we had an, actually an excellent 10-year marriage. Um, and then, you know, and then he died, and, you know, everybody had terrible things happen. You know, in their life. My, that's my specific, really bad one. Yes. Hi, thank you so much. Um, can you talk about what your daily reprieve looks like and how God figures into that? Okay, my, uh, the question is, what is my daily reprieve? For me, my daily reprieve is I don't eat like I used to. Um, and I now know that when in my best moments that I should not be running the show, that the way to happiness is gratitude. That's why gratitude's so big around here. You may you may hear gratitude, 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 and think, why are we always talking about that? Because when we don't, when I'm not in gratitude, all, all I'm in is selfishness, and there's not enough. There's a well that is unending. If I'm not grateful for anything, it doesn't matter what you give me, because I only want more. So... Today, I know to be grateful and happy for everything I have. I, I sponsor people. I, it's a joy to sponsor people. I, the 12, um, 12 steps in the program are a bigger part of my life because I don't work as much as I did. So I go to meetings. You know, I have a couple days off. I talk to sponsees. Um, and I have a good time, too. Yes, anyone else? <laughs> you know, he said, I said, you want to come? I was like, nah, that's boring. You know, he wouldn't want to come. Because I really thought, oh, I'm going to tell this. You know, 
I would be fine with him hearing it. He pretty much, he pretty, as I think about it, he knows it. In fact, I think he's heard me talk other places where I've talked about it. And he took it very well. He, like, laughed and, you know, he, he was a good sport. Yes. Oh yeah. The question is, how did my higher power, if I had one, evolve when I, since I came into program first? Okay, when I came into program, I was what's called an agnostic in the book, which meant I I didn't disbelieve in God and I didn't believe in God either. I thought this is a really boring and long intellectual conversation that I am tired of having. I'm not in college anymore, and I don't want to go through why there's a God and why there isn't a God. I just don't want to talk about it. So I pretty much put the book on the shelf. And then when I came to program, first of all, um, program gave me some ideas that if you had put me in a, a room alone to think for the next trillion years, I never would have thought of any of these ideas. And they said things like, why don't you act as if, like you, in order to be relieved from compulsive reading, you have to seek God. You have to pray. I said, but I don't believe in God. And they said, or I'm not sure. It's not that I disbelieve. I really am not sure. I felt embarrassed. And they said, well, you just have to, we call that acting as if. You just have to act as if. And they said, what about the group? Do you believe that? You, the group in Overeaters Anonymous has more power than just you alone to help stop your eating disorder? And I said, yeah, absolutely. All, all the people in the room wanted me to succeed, and I wanted them to succeed. So, and it's good. You can just start from there. So, so I did, and I, and I felt silly praying. And I, but what happens is I, I'm shown by things turning out better. Like, for me, it's been like a controlled experiment, prayer. Like, I, I tried all my life without prayer, pretty much, and then I tried it with prayer. Like, I remember the very first time was I, was, I had to talk to somebody at work who I, I had to have an uncomfortable conversation. I remember praying beforehand. It was part of my experiment. Okay, I'm going to pray beforehand. And it went really well. And I thought, huh. And these, these just start to build up. And then after a while, you think, okay, this can't be chance. Because if it were chance, it would sometimes happen and sometimes not. Are we done now? I heard a, oh, okay. Oh, it's all right. Um, this would sometimes happen and sometimes not. Um, chance means it's random. But consistently, when I pray, life is better. Yes, Jeff? You mentioned you were sober. Is, is there a difference between the spiritual or practical application of the program between sobriety and abstinence? And you talk about that for a moment? Um, not for me. I know that the, the difference is if I want to stay abstinent, I need to talk to another compulsive overeater. I need to go to Overeaters Anonymous meetings. If I want to stay sober, I have to go to Alcoholics Anonymous meetings. That, to me, is the big difference. So I go to both. Um, is it a different conception of God? No, it's the same conception of God. It's just a different application of the program. Anyone else? Yes. Thank you. Can you talk more about your other amendments? Oh, the the, the, um, the question is my other amends. The reds are pretty easy to tell you the truth. I remember I just wrote everything down. By the way, if you're doing a fourth step and you're afraid to write things down, um, just write it. I was told write down the thing that you are the most ashamed of first, and it usually has to do with sex. And I was like, oh, she's right. <laughs> <laughs> so I wrote that down first. 
And it wasn't even an amends. It was just sort of a confession, really. And my sponsor, of course, like, went up to me. And I was like, great. You know, I'm not so horrible. But um, um, I, they were really pretty easy. I, I wasn't really, like, I, was, I wasn't, I didn't do that many terrible things. But I did do, you know, a fair amount of stealing, now that I think about it. I, I went... <laughs> Like, I had to return. I, I worked at a, a movie studio, and I had taken the paintings because I thought, I need to fix up my apartment. <laughs> <laughs> so I just took them home. I didn't think anything of that. And I uh, put them up, and then my son said, well, you got to take them back. So I took them back to the studio, and they were like, this is amazing. This is so wonderful of you. You know, you never know how people are going to react. And they thought it was just wonderful that I had stolen their paintings and then took them back. <laughs> I <don't know. laughs> Um, another person, I sent a letter because I had been, uh, I had taken advantage of her um, romantically. Uh, it's just too much to go into. But anyway, she didn't want to hear me from me at all. So I sent her, I sent her like two or three letters because she lived in England. And then I realized, you know, like it says in the big book, not everybody is going to take our amends, but it doesn't matter. It's water under the bridge. We have made our attempt and, and we're good. So I just did what my, and my, oh, oh, here's another one that everyone in OA will uh, probably um, align with. I, I used to go through grocery stores eating. Like, I just thought I was saving money. <laughs> yeah. I would go through having uh, lunch, dinner, and I was, thought nothing of it. I'm shrugging. If you're seeing this on, you know, if you're hearing this on the podcast, I was just like, who cares? You know, it's just the way you save money. And... And my, I was terrified when I told my sponsor because I, I thought she was going to make me make amends in the grocery stores, which I was willing to do. And she said, but I was terrified. And she said, well, just don't do that anymore. And I went, okay. <laughs> I never, I didn't say a word after that because I was afraid she'd change her mind. <laughs> I, I never again ate through a grocery store. There's every, um, I, that's not true. It, I do it like places that will give you taste, but they let you have taste. But I do not like go through grocery stores eating anymore because I never want to make those amends. And now it's time for me to say thank you and keep coming back.